0: Coming up on the Keto Camp podcast, we have best-selling author and professional biohacker Sim Land.
1: The average person in the Western world is already aging really rapidly. Already in their like forties, basically they're slowly beginning to see this decline in their health and functionality like they're starting to forget things they're starting to have like back pain neck aches uh, whatnot they're already pre-diabetic they have atherosclerosis and uh, cognitive decline all those things are preventable with uh, improving your metabolic health as well as muscle mass and uh, doing resistance training so compared to someone else who is active throughout their entire lifetime then for them this trend is very, very different so instead of aging very gradually and slowly they actually maintain this higher level of health and fitness all the way until the later years of the life and then you have like a sharp descent and uh, they die off really quickly which uh, is a much kind of more preferable way of aging I would say because you're basically being younger for longer <laughs>
0: I'm a certified functional health practitioner who's on a mission to educate 1 billion people. I've been obese for most of my life. From rock bottom to the top of the mountain, I am passionate about studying ancient healing strategies like fasting and the ketogenic diet and curating this information on the Keto Camp podcast. My goal is to bring you the thought leaders in this space. My name is Ben Azadi, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey Keto Camper, I am pumped up and excited to share Seamland with you. On this episode, we're going to discuss the delicate balance, the art between mTOR and autophagy. And if you're not even familiar with what those terms are, we'll break it down for you. We're gonna explain the benefits of autophagy, how to activate autophagy, even without fasting by the way, why building lean muscle for longevity is so important and how to do so, How to break a fast without gaining weight. That is so important because so many people lose a lot of the benefits of fasting because they break it the wrong way. We'll explain that. We'll explain how to do it the right way. We're going to get into superficial hunger versus actual hunger. How do you measure autophagy? How do you know when you're getting autophagy? And so much more. Seamland checks in from Estonia and we have such a blast. So grab your pen and paper. You're going to geek out like we did. And I can't wait to bring them on the show before I do. I want to thank you so much for choosing the keto camp podcast out of all the shows out there, all the podcasts out there. You chose this one and we're super grateful. We're on a mission here to educate and to inspire 1 billion people on planet earth. And by you choosing this podcast, you're helping that mission become accomplished. I want to get to the Apple podcast review of the day. This is a five-star review entitled, thank you from L Phelps 310. L Phelps said, look forward to listening to Keto Camp podcasts in the car and on my walks. Always full of great info. Thank you Ben Azadi for the work you put into teaching others the keto lifestyle. Thank you so much L Phelps. I love how you stated keto lifestyle, right? Not keto diet. Amazing, because keto is not a diet. Keto is a metabolic process that has been around since humans have been around. So I really appreciate that. I'm glad you're listening to me on your walks and in the car. And thank you for taking the time to leave that review. It really does help the show grow. We put a lot of energy and resources and and money into the Keto Camp Podcast. So by you leaving that review, it's so well received. And I wanna thank you. Please leave the show rating and review if you haven't done so already. Really does help the show grow. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. Hit that subscribe button. We release two to three brand new episodes every single week. We bring some of the most incredible thought leaders in the keto and fasting space. If you want to watch the video interview with Seem, that's posted on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash camp. We're about to hit 100k on that channel. It's all credit to you. So go check out that video interview with Seem. Last thing here before I bring on Seem is to remind you. I just recently released a brand new 28-day keto jumpstart program. You will get 50 plus videos on keto and fasting, about $600 worth in keto meal plans, grocery shopping lists, digital downloads of my books, and so much more. It'll teach you how to do keto the right way, how to burn fat instead of sugar, how to do fasting the right way, and you'll get incredible results in just 28 days. I was going to release this for 97 bucks, but with what is happening in the world, I decided to do it for just one payment of $7 over at startketoCamp.com, Take advantage right now. If you're hearing this on time and the deal is still available, that'll be one payment of $7 over at startketoCamp.com. All right, let's get into this interview with Seamland. Seamland is a best-selling author, public speaker, high-performance coach, content creator, and professional biohacker. He creates content about optimizing health, performance, longevity, and well-being with different biohacking techniques. The overall term he likes to use is body-mind empowerment, which refers to physical as well as mental development. Seamland is from Estonia, and he has a degree in anthropology. Ever since college, he's been writing his blog over at Seamland.com that includes articles and tutorials about the ketogenic diet, intermittent fasting, meditation, cold thermogenesis, taking saunas, self-discipline, Morning routines and everything related to becoming a high performing individual. Seamland, welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast. Hey, Ben, what's up? Glad to be on here. <laughs> It's fun to say your name. I just want to say it over and over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm grateful to be with you, man. I love the work that you're doing. You you have so many books that I, I was looking on Amazon and all the work you created. Very, very smart the way you've structured it, different categories. And you have a very popular YouTube channel, which I've gotten a lot of inspiration and I credit a lot of my work to and a great podcast. So I'm grateful to talk all about that. And before we do, Seem, let's talk about your story. How did you get involved with what you're doing today? Yeah,
1: well, uh, I initially got into writing books and such in my college years and I was studying anthropology so uh, one of the little ways or a few ways you could make a living with as an anthropologist is to like either become like an academic or start writing some ethnographies or something like that Uh, but I didn't want to stay in academia because it was too kind of restrictive or uh, too um, (laughs) narrow down in a way and I I did want to do like a bunch of other stuff uh, like I wanted to you know start my own blog i wanted to build my own business and uh, do some speaking and so those, all those things so uh, using the skills i learned in anthropology uh, i was able to just leverage that and uh, become more of like a writer and a online content creator and entrepreneur
0: so you decided to take that leap of faith, <laughs> which is a scary, a scary decision <laughs> yeah. because uh, it's not the decision most people would would choose. They would choose more of a safe bet, right? So, what what was it that was inside of you that said, "This is what I want to do. I'm going to pursue it, even though I don't know what the outcome will be"? What does that's a trait that you developed, or, or are you born with that? How did you make that decision? Um, well, I, I wouldn't say that I'm a huge risk taker. Like
1: I don't have like childhoods history of being like a like a troublemaker or something some sort of entrepreneur i'm not like a natural leader or entrepreneur but uh, i do I, I think like in my military i was also in the military before i went to college and uh, there i kind of realized that you have to kind of be very like very responsible for your overall life and what you accomplish so there's not going to be this silver platter that is going to give you what you want in life and uh in most cases, if you fail to take action on like your goals and whatnot, then they're never going to be achieved. And just being more responsible, I realized that I have to kind of suck it up in a way and be kind of the own uh, kind of supervisor for myself and uh, like, a, uh, yeah, like be more responsible for what I accomplish and be in charge in what I do. So yeah, I literally took a leap of faith in a way that I burned my boats, <laughs> I was like you know finishing my second year in college, and I didn't want to like go for a regular job like normal students do. Like they would uh, go go to some sort of restaurant, wait tables and whatnot. I used to do that as well before uh, beforehand, but um, at that particular moment, I had just you know started my blog and uh, creating some uh, content online. I didn't want to you know, waste time doing that kind of a job, although it could have given me like some sort of a job security and some income. Instead of that, I actually just went full in and uh, kind of put myself into the fray and burned my boats and uh, then uh, wrote a few of those books that you mentioned, like about the keto diet. And they hit a good spot, you know, in the market at that moment, because um, there weren't many keto books back then. Uh, like only like a few handful of them, and I when kind of when was that? What year? That was like, I think it was two thousand fourteen, thirteen, something like that. So yeah, there were like very few books, and I also niched out some of the books. Like some of the books were specifically about the cyclical keto diet, as well as the targeted keto diet, or the vegetarian keto diet, or whatnot. So they did uh, take off easily. So that's how I got got started or established myself. And uh, yeah, it was a, like a it wasn't a gamble in a way <laughs> because uh, it did require like some action and uh, like decisiveness. But at the same time, uh, it, it was uh, somewhat of a good timing or like I, I took advantage of the right time and the right opportunities.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you did that today, it would be a lot more of a, a slower growth because of it's it's more saturated. At least the keto and fasting spaces. So brilliant. And then when did you start that your YouTube channel?
1: the YouTube channel, I started around the same time, like, uh, uh, I finished writing those books about keto During my last year in college, the third year, I was uh, doing the YouTube channel, uh, like uh, alongside of that. So uh, I was, uh, I was already basically having like a good source of income, and uh, like a platform as well as a social media following before I finished college. So I, I I didn't plan to uh, like continue my studies. I plan-, I plan to just get my degree and uh, fully dedicate myself to this uh, thing that I do now.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, your YouTube channel is great. If you haven't checked it out, do so. We'll put a link in the, the notes of the podcast and of this YouTube video that's going on my channel. He has, Sim has a lot of great research in his videos. The editing is great. And as you can tell, he has an accent and he's from Estonia. He's in Estonia right now. He said it's turning, it spring is around, and it's, it's beautiful over there. So that's why he has that accent. If you notice, if you're wondering where is he from, that's what I was wondering when I first heard your video or watched your video. So it's Estonia. Never been, but uh, I would love to go there one day. You are known for, at least with my lens, you're known for being the Metabolic autophagy guy. You talk a lot about autophagy and mTOR. And let's let's break that down. I, I talk a lot about it as well, but let's, let's assume that somebody watching this or listening right now is somewhat familiar with those terms, but not so much. Could you explain the delicate balance between mTOR, what is mTOR, and autophagy?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, like you said, those things, they tend to work in balance with each other. And uh, mTOR is like your uh, growth pathway in the body that uh, promotes uh, muscle growth as well as cell replication. So it's this uh, anabolic mode where your body is growing. And the opposite of that is uh, autophagy, which is more like cell recycling and breakdown or catabolism. And uh, those two modes, they can't really coexist at the same time. So you can't be fully growing and uh, recycling the garbage at the same time. So it's like a trade-off. And for example, you know, there are benefits to both of them uh, for both like longevity as well as just general uh, health. Like for example, mTOR is good for building muscle, helping your, your body to burn fat and uh, also just, you know, have higher bone density and those higher functionality and those sort of things. But it's also like associated with some um, like uh, cancers growth, uh, malignant tumors and so on. So you don't really want to be having the mTOR turned on all the time because essentially means you're, you're growing uh, excessively. And on the other hand, there are also a lot of research benefits about uh, Tafaji And uh, kind of the main idea is that the autophagy process is uh, just removing all these old and worn out cell particles and debris that uh, just accumulates there as a byproduct of uh, living itself. But simultaneously, you know, the autophagy is like a very trendy term recently, a few years ago, but uh, there are actually a lot of uh, negative side effects for it as well. So autophagy itself could also promote the survival of certain cancers and uh, tumors and even some uh, viruses and so on. So it's not like this super good thing that you want to have turned on all the time either. So that's why the goal should be to figure out how do you achieve the optimal balance between both of those things and how do you get like the best of both worlds without putting your body into like some sort of a dysfunctional state because at the end of the day, it also com- comes back to just having the body functioning in, in this sort of a homeostasis or balance where it's uh, functioning properly.
0: Great explanation. Yeah, and that's just the way that we're hardwired to be. The 70 trillion cells that we have in the body, they're hardwired for moments of feasting and activating this mTOR, building up and then moments of famine and fasting activated the autophagy. I'm guilty, and I heard you say before that you're guilty of getting sometimes too much autophagy, too much fasting, because you just feel so good when you're in a fasted state. But when the body's done eating it up, if you want to call it that, and repairing the bad stuff, it's going to need to get energy from somewhere, and then it'll go for the good stuff, and it could weaken the immune system. Like you said, certain cancers could grow. So the the billion-dollar question is this, Seem. How do you balance it? What is a great general rule of thumb to follow to get the Maximum, or I should say, all the benefits of mTOR and all the benefits of autophagy, without any of those negative side effects.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like, uh, you know, all of those things are pretty subjective, so they're going to differ between individuals. And uh, uh, how much autophagy a person may need uh, depends primarily on like their overall metabolic health, what are your goals, and uh, like overall like energy balance in a particular moment. So, for example. If uh, someone has diabetes or someone has maybe insulin resistance or something along those lines, then their body could benefit from slightly more autophagy because uh, the autophagy actually has been shown to be helpful. For example, fixing uh, some of the beta cells in the pancreas, as well as uh, you know even clearing up some of the plaque that accumulates in atherosclerosis. So like if you are in a very diseased state, then having some autoph- higher... Uh, or, at least in some situations, having some higher topology can be more beneficial. But simultaneously, I wouldn't say that that applies the same way to like a high level athlete, because a high level athlete has a different goal. They have a different health. They have even different energy requirements. And for them, they actually may need more mTOR, especially if you're talking about like a fitness competitor or a bodybuilder. They want to have more mTOR because it's going to be more beneficial for their sport. And uh, how do you find this sort of a goal, you know, yeah, like, like you mentioned, fasting, and this sort of energy restriction, they're going to increase autophagy, but uh, that can be like this sort of a gateway of uh, how do you assess how much autophagy you need. So, for example, if you need more autophagy, or if you have like less energy demands, you're burning fewer calories. Then you can fast for longer without the Atavaji process becoming uh, damaging f- for you compared to someone like who he is exercising a lot and they're already healthy, they're already metabolically healthy, then they don't need to fast that long because their body doesn't need that much Atavaji. And it can also become um, more uh, damaging faster because uh, their kind of threshold is uh, lower. So, uh, usually, I would say that some form of daily time eating and fasting is just the go to way of increasing that uh, basal autophagy as well as regulating it based upon your own requirements so if you are like a, like a sedentary person and uh, your you know have some sort of a metabolic abnormality or dysfunction then you can safely fast for like even up to few days with no negative side effects and usually you can get away with like eating once a day and those are the things compared to someone like who is exercising a lot and uh, who has like a particular performance oriented goal like they want to Build a certain amount of muscle, or they want to run uh, like a, a certain, like a mile under a four minutes or something, whatever it may be. Then for them, they need to eat more, basically, and they need to be feeding their body more properly. So they, for them, they can't fast for that long because the fasting is going to just jeopardize the performance, and uh, therefore their eating window should be slightly longer. So yeah, I personally focus on just manipulating the eating window and uh, adjusting it based upon the energy requirements.
0: Yeah. And it's also uh, good to get clear on what the goal is. Like you just said, is the person's goal strength and performance like a bodybuilder or or a sprinter or an athlete? Or is it health and longevity? Sometimes, a lot of the times, they're not mutually exclusive. You could take years off your life by building your performance, or you could add years to your life, but your performance might suffer. But then you could do both at the same time. But sometimes people don't understand that. So getting clear on the goal. Let's talk about autophagy a little bit more. Besides fasting, Seem, what are some ways to activate autophagy?
1: Yeah, well, that's a good tip to remember. So you don't necessarily have to fast in order to activate autophagy. So you can still get like a lot of the performance benefits while still eating and uh, can operate up regulating some aspects of the autophagy process. So for example, exercise itself also activates autophagy. So uh, it's actually probably a faster way to activate autophagy than fasting. So uh, there are some studies that show you can even see an increase in like autophagy-related genes within 30 minutes of uh, exercise. What type uh, of exercise? uh, I think that study was done in like cardiovascular exercise. But uh, the main idea is that anything that puts your body under energy stress and depletes the body from certain nutrients, then that's going to gradually start to upregulate autophagy. So in the example of cardiovascular exercise, then you're burning through your body's uh, liver glycogen stores during exercise and uh, the liver glycogen status regulates basically the balance between mTOR and esophageal. So uh, once your liver glycogen gets depleted, then it's going to turn on this another fuel sensor uh, called AMPK, which is the opposite of mTOR as well. So once mTOR gets suppressed and your liver glycogen stores are low, then AMPK gets turned on and that's going to promote ketosis as well as autophagy, so uh, any kind of exercise does it as well. Like even high-intensity exercise, hip cardio, uh, resistance training, weightlifting—all those things—they have the same effect. But you know, they may take a slightly longer. So, like an hour weightlifting session is probably also like a good uh, estimate for increasing some uh, autophagy uh, because it stimulates those same pathways and uh, puts the body under like higher energy stress. So it's almost like a way of thinking that you speed up the effects of the fast without fasting for that long, and the same same applies to other strategies as well, like the sauna and uh, the cold bath, like cold exposure. They also turn on these uh, pathways and have a similar effect. So heat shock proteins that get turned on in the heat, they're also upregulated by the exercise as well as the sauna. Those are almost like cousin molecules to autophagy. So they also have similar benefits. They repair broken DNA and re- mis- misfolder proteins and reduce inflammation and so on. So they're very closely tied to each other and they're regulated by the same pathways. So exercise, sauna, cold exposure. Uh, then there's things like coffee and uh, the teas, green tea, all these different kinds of uh, polyphenolic compounds in uh, different kinds of vegetables And uh, herbs, spices, they also, they have like an autophagic effect by turning on AMPK and uh, kind of mimicking some aspects of fasting. So they're called like these calorie restriction mimetics that uh, stimulate the same pathways as calorie restriction without necessarily putting yourself under this sort of calorie restriction. And like turmeric, ginger, berberine, ginseng, uh, ashwagandha. And yeah, all, all those different kinds of spices, cayenne pepper, uh, black pepper, they're all like pretty easy ways of kind of hacking the autophagy process and uh, not necessarily having to fast for that long. So yeah, you can definitely like, for example, you could fast for, um, I'm not sure, like, you know, there's not an easy way to measure those things or compare them of which one is better or how much autophagy you get activated <laughs> in different circumstances. But yeah, basically you could think that, okay, you know, basically, like fasting for 16 hours and combining that with things like maybe black coffee or some exercise or some hit cardio, that's probably the equivalent of just fasting for 24 hours or something along the lines of that, because you're, you're doing the exercise on top of the fasting, and although the fasting period would be shorter, it's still a comparable stimulus for autophagy as the same one as you did without exercise, just because you're stacking the different uh, stressors.
0: Great breakdown right there. Yeah, I do fasted exercise all the time, and I usually do my fasted workout towards the end of my fast, whether it's like an 18-hour fast or 20-hour fast. And it's night and day, personally, when I go into a workout in the fasted state versus going into a workout with uh, having a meal, eating a meal a few hours beforehand. I feel so much better. I perform so much better. So let's talk a little bit more about exercise you speak a lot about the benefits of building lean muscle and when i hear that it means something else than when somebody else hears that right lean muscle people think of bodybuilders they think of crossfitters but why is it important for a 65 year old woman to a 21 year old boy to uh, focus on building lean muscle
1: yeah definitely well makes you makes you look uh, better and just (laughs) improves your like aesthetics and body composition so those they are essentially also like beneficial for your like a mental well-being or how how good you feel about yourself. Uh, but uh, besides the vanity aspects, there is also like many longevity and health uh, you know benefits that are one of the best for your longevity. So, for example, uh, muscle mass itself is just like a massive uh, sponge for calories and carbohydrates specifically. So, the more muscle mass you have, and uh, if you are, are physically active then you're more insulin sensitive, you can handle more carbohydrates, you have better biomarkers, you can essentially eat more calories without gaining fat, you can lose fat more easily because you have a higher metabolic rate. And yeah, like it's a very just improves the overall functionality of your everyday life as well. Like you'll be able to lift things, you'll be able to be more as self sustainable, you don't need to have like a wheelchair or whatnot. So you can be, you know. You can maintain this health span for longer periods of time without necessarily giving up on life. And uh, especially in the in the later years of life, it becomes increasingly more important because um, with age you're already naturally losing uh, a lot of the functional muscle mass that you have, and uh, most of that is due to like disuse. But there's also, of course, like the natural decline in certain hormones like testosterone and growth hormone that help you to maintain muscle. So as you get older, it becomes increasingly more difficult to build muscle and maintain it. While at the same time, it's like a, v- a very invaluable thing for preventing aging and slowing down the aging process. So uh, older people in general should like incorporate some resistance training because like most people already, they don't have like any form of resistance training that kind of stimulates their muscles like you can just press a button and everything happens for you so you're you're not really like doing gardening or you're not pulling weeds or you're not climbing trees you're not chasing uh, animals you're not really doing those things that people in the past used to do and therefore the average person in the western world is already aging really rapidly already in their like 40s basically they're slowly beginning to see this decline in their health and functionality like they're starting to forget things. They're starting to have like back pain, neck aches, uh, whatnot. They're already pre diabetic. They have atherosclerosis and uh, cognitive decline. All those things are preventable with uh, improving your metabolic health as well as muscle mass and uh, doing resistance training. So, compared to someone else who is active throughout their entire lifetime, then for them, this trend is very different. So, instead of aging very gradually and slowly, they actually maintain this higher level of health and fitness all the way until the later years of their life. And then they have like a sharp descent and uh, they die off really quickly, which uh, is a much kind of more preferable way of aging, I would say, because you're basically being younger for longer and you increase your health span, which is different from uh, lifespan. So like most people wouldn't want to be, although if they could live for like 120, most people wouldn't want to do it if they have to be in like this, in this wheelchair or you know basically in a coma and under IVs all the time. They would much rather, even if they were to live like maybe like a few decades shorter, they would much rather live uh, a more like a functional life and uh, be like more youthful throughout the entire process. So muscle mass is just kind of extends. The functional years of your life and uh, slows down the aging in general.
0: Yeah, it's the muscles, the ultimate longevity organ. You just broke it down so well. Yeah, there's a big difference between health span and lifespan. I'm all for both. (laughs) You know, let's have both. And, And I think you're right when you said most people would choose, even if it's less years on planet Earth. If you could live those years functioning, <laughs> i take that. I'd personally take that any day of the week. And, and by the way, when you're sore from a workout, going back to that's autophagy. You know, that soreness is autophagy. Your body's repairing. Anytime you create that hormetic stressor, it's a good thing. When you create the stressors from what, what Seem said, from fasting, from exercise, from sauna, red light therapy, cold exposure, any of these hormetic stressors to the body... It forces your cells, the good cells get stronger in your body and the bad cells don't adapt and that's how you're able to recycle, repair and live a long, healthy life. I wanna take a quick break here to share with you about the dangers of taking fish oil. I know, shocking, I was somebody who took fish oil every single day for years. And then I came across a ton of research showing the dangers of consuming fish oil. I immediately found an amazing product called Pureform. Pureform is a plant-based omega. And the cool thing about Pureform is that it is uniquely processed with nitrogen to preserve it and make sure it does not oxidize. These essential fatty acids are cold pressed and you get the proper balance of omega-6 and omega-3 to feed your cells what it desires. We know that life begins and ends at the cell membrane. And when you have the proper fats, the building blocks for those cell membranes, all of a sudden, your fat-burning hormones can do its job. So you lose weight. All of a sudden, your cells produce energy. So you feel good. So we know that cellular health is key for performance and longevity. So I've been taking pure form every single day. My dog takes it every single day. So does my girlfriend and my mom. This is how much I love the product if you want to get your bottle delivered to your door head over to purelifescience.com check them out order a bottle or two and you'll be amazed by how you feel after taking this just after a few days that is purelifescience.com use the coupon code ben4 to apply a four dollar off coupon that is ben b-e-n and the number four international shipping is available okay, let's go back into this episode of the keto Camp podcast. I want to know what is your current fasting schedule uh, what do you, what is your routine at the moment
1: Yeah well uh, at the moment I'm uh, doing uh basically one meal a day and uh, I incorporate this thing that I call targeted intermittent fasting which basically is that I eat once a day but on the days that I work out with like a resistance training or weights then I'll have like a protein shake during the workout and the, the main idea is just to reduce the muscle catabolism that o- occurs during a workout and uh, still stimulate or still give my muscles enough of uh, like amino acids during the workout that would essentially help me to prevent like muscle loss, as well as uh, stimulate additional muscle growth during the workout. What type of protein do you have? Uh, it's a regular whey protein. And uh, it's, it's good because you're going to get like the, mo- whey protein is probably like the most uh, bioavailable form of protein. And uh, it's really easily digestible as well. And it's going to just stimulate muscle protein synthesis uh, really quickly, like compared to like whole foods. And it would be like impractical to eat whole foods <laughs> during the workout.
0: Right. Well, it's also important to note that you're doing it the right way because you're having the whey protein uh, with your workout because whey protein is very insulinogenic. So if you're having it just as like a, a shake as a meal, it's not the same effect as having it with with the workout. So I wanted to make that point.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Like, I'm uh, like during the workout, then it doesn't matter that my. Uh, insulin gets raised or that my mTOR gets raised uh, from the protein shake, because uh, I've already fasted for like a substantial amount of time. And the exercise itself also raises my blood sugar. So I'm not like, quote unquote, in this very fast state anyway, uh, from like a physiological perspective. And uh, even if I do consume those calories from the protein shake, those uh, amino acids will also be utilized, basically immediately, because uh, the cells are kind of uh, yearning for, for for it, like exercise, also activates these um, GLUT4 receptors that uh, shuttle nutrients into the cells without even needing insulin. So uh, that's one of the main mechanisms by which exercise makes you more insulin sensitive as well. So you um, you can get away with more things without causing like an, any like uh, negative outcomes.
0: So if you want to, fe- if you're gonna feast, or you're gonna go to an event, and you're gonna eat a lot of food. Exercise right before that, and you're gonna do some <laughs> damage control. yeah so that's your routine you do one one meal a day well you have the shake when you're working out then you have one feast meal is that how it works for you right now
1: uh yeah like it's not like one meal particular it's like one meal over the course of like two hours or something so uh, I'm not like stuffing myself within an hour or or I'm not taking a stopwatch to see so I'm like just slowly eating and having dinner and uh, kind of relaxing in the evening
0: do you do any block fasting any extended fast longer than three days
1: yeah, I do usually a few times a year. Last year, I did have quite a few of them. Uh, this year, I haven't had one yet because I've just been... Uh, most of the travels were uh, cancelled or rescheduled. So uh, I've been home uh, and I had just... Usually, I would prefer to do these uh, extended fasts when I'm on the road. It's kind of just easier anyway and you don't have to like eat the poor quality junk garbage on the road, so you can just you know, not focus on the food at that moment. But yeah, like, I also think that, you know, it might might not be like a particularly good idea to be fasting, especially during like a flu season or like a pandemic, because um, your immune system actually does take a small dip during the extended fast. And, you know, it does come back and it does rebound, but it takes a bit of time. So in the short term, your immune system might get weaker slightly during the fast. So I wouldn't want to like, myself into like a slightly higher stressed out state uh, when I don't really need to like I'm already eating once a day and uh, like if I if I am eating you know once a day basically every day of the year then the the hours of the total length of the fast over the course of the year is still quite substantial compared to someone who is maybe just eating three meals a day but they have like a three-day fast uh, like once a month or so, the amount of the fasting is still uh, better to be doing it more consistently, so to say. So you would want to have like a consistent schedule that you do, because uh, it's more sustainable and it's more consistent.
0: I agree. I'm with you on that. Yeah, you you make a good point. I, I brought that up in a few videos, and I, I just recently took a group through what was supposed to be a five-day water fast, but then. Right when we started, I think week two, they announced the lockdown, and I said, you know what, it's probably not a good idea to do it water, so let's do a partial fast because of what you just said. I mean, when we, when we look at fasting a few years ago, several years ago, it got a bad rap because they used to say the argument against fasting, a, a block fast, was, well, when we look at the white blood cells, when we look at the immune system, during a, a block fast, we see it lower, right? And then we, through the, the work of Dr. Valter Longo, we realized that that's the autophagy and what happens right after it builds up stronger and better than ever, but it's that dip that can be detrimental, especially when there's a, a coronavirus or a flu season around. So you just said it. So yeah, it's probably not a good idea to do a block fast right now if you're worried about that. My next question is this, Seem. How do you break a fast without gaining weight?
1: <laughs> well, uh, it comes down to still calories. So uh, you can't really out eat, or you can't out fast a bad diet, or it, you'd still have to like be mindful of how many calories you're consuming approximately. Like fasting makes it easier to not count calories and get away with it. But at the end of the day, if you are still consuming too many calories, then you're, you're going to gain weight. And uh, a lot of the times, for example, you know, the problem, The biggest problem is that uh, people just gorge after breaking a fast and they're so hungry that they just can't control themselves. So that's like a very natural response. Because you, if you are coming from like this sort of a semi starvation state, then it makes sense that your body would motivate you to want to eat. Uh, but simultaneously, that's also caused by a lack of uh, certain electrolytes and sodium in particular, which is called like the refeeding syndrome. So uh, that can actually cause like some some uh, hospitalization and even death in some cases if your body becomes severely depleted from um, electrolytes and salt after breaking a fast.
0: But that's usually with an extended fast, not so much an intermittent fast. Yeah. For, yeah, for sure. Like,
1: uh, uh, like a short fast doesn't cause any uh, deficiencies, uh, but if, if it might happen on a like a longer fast, just because like insulin itself sh- is going to basically shuttle. The electrolytes and sodium that you have in your bloodstream into the cells, and that's going to leave the bloodstream uh, depleted. So uh, that's why breaking a fast with, you know, consuming some salt during a fast is going to suppress your appetite, satiate, keeps you satiated, and also prevents this uh, refeeding syndrome. So on a longer fast that is like three to five days, then on those days I would definitely have like maybe some salted water. And uh, just maybe even like salt crystals as a snack <laughs> almost. So that's like a good strategy to prevent that. But on a short, like 16-hour fast or one meal a day, then in that those cases, it's not like mandatory to be having uh, salt besides the food that you eat because you're already getting it from the food. Next to that, like stress itself can be a big factor in... Uh, controlling your appetite, like more, the more stressed out you are, whether that be because of work, whether that be because of uh, work, related, you know, relationships, or just even sleep deprivation, all those things um, can just have an impact on your self-control and the hunger levels. So uh, initially, like fasting itself will also be a stressor. So if you are not used to it, then you're naturally going to experience more stress from it. And you're naturally going to, uh, be hungrier so uh it might be some adaptation phase uh, where you would uh, you would experience more hunger but eventually it should uh, subside, subside or at least you become more mindful about the hunger cues and you you can learn to differentiate between this superficial hunger from actual hunger and uh, you can learn to
0: Explain that what what's the difference between superficial hunger and actual hunger your body needs food Uh well I think you know the psychological
1: hunger or cravings and superficial hunger, they're, they're like pretty short term. And they're usually like associated with certain cravings. You're like you're craving a particular type of food, like you're craving chocolate or ice cream, but you're not craving bok choy or uh, cabbage. <laughs> so if you're so hungry that you would you would want to eat uh, regular food like vegetables and those things, things then that's a pro- probably like a real type of hunger because uh, your body craves the nutrients that it does need. And uh, some uh, just food, like give me something (laughs) that's like an actual hunger. And usually, like being bored, uh, trying to distract yourself with food, those things are just uh, caused by superficial hunger. And uh, again, like you can learn to differentiate it even pretty fast with just uh, drinking more water, even like because dehydration also makes you hungrier and uh, causes like some crazings. So, yeah, like even if you do experience like some slight feeling of discomfort during a fast, uh, like hunger then uh, instead of giving in immediately, you should just uh, wait a little bit. Maybe it's going going to just go away because hunger fluctuates all the time and maybe drink some water uh, or maybe go for a walk or whatever it may be. Just uh, kind of wait a little bit and see what happens. But it does, if it does persist and if you are feeling very uncomfortable, then you may want to just break a fast because it's not like a race or it's not a competition. Uh, you just have to, you know, compete with your with yourself and uh, try to improve your your own uh, health and uh, goals.
0: That's right. Yeah, and then you mentioned salt as well being a good tip because sometimes the signals could get crossed between your body just needs some electrolytes and you're actually not really hungry. It, it could mix up that signal. So just having some more sea salt, like you mentioned earlier, could also help with that. Next question here, Seem is, what are some signs of autophagy? I know that it's almost impossible to actually test for it, but what are some signs to pay attention to that we're actually getting autophagy? Yeah, well,
1: that's, you know, autophagy is very, like, usually they assess autophagy by looking at the amount of these autophagy related genes and proteins that accumulate in a particular cell. So uh you know unless you have like a muscle biopsy lab or some other <laughs> some other laboratory at your disposal then it's pretty difficult to directly measure allergy. but you can definitely predict it with uh, some other signs and uh generally like as you start to see your blood glucose and insulin dropping then you should start to see also like a gradual increase in ketones and uh, glucagon, so those are another example of this counterbalancing act between mTOR and autophagy. So if your insulin is high, your blood sugar is high, then it means you have like higher mTOR, and autophagy is pretty much uh, shut down as well because of the high insulin, uh, compared to where you're in deep ketosis, your blood sugar is low, your insulin is low, and your ketones are high, then that is a uh, activator of AMPK, and that would also mean that autophagy is activated to a certain extent, and uh, therefore you can kind of you can use the uh, glucose ketone index like on a daily basis to just measure like what's the nutritional state of your body in a particular moment like are you more mTOR dominant or are you more AMPK dominant and then you can just make some predictions so okay yeah like i haven't been eating for 16 hours my blood sugar is pretty low and my ketones are high so um that would probably be like a some predictor of autophagy or at least like you would have the prerequisites required for autophagy so autophagy won't be activated if your you know insulin is high and mTOR is high so that's like the probably the best at home uh, way of uh, measuring it but generally just you know overall metabolic health is a good predictor it it would mean that you have like a autophagy process working properly and uh, like things like skin health and, uh, you know, reduced inflammation and better metabolic flexibility. So you can kind of swap back and forth between switching from a fed state into a fast state with no problems and uh, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, great, great tips right there. Yeah, nobody has that lab. That would be pretty cool to have that lab to test to see if you're actually getting the autophagy. But that's a great thing to do at home. What, what I teach to the members of my uh, KetoCamp Academy I teach them to look at your glucose and your ketones throughout a fast. We want to see that trend that Seem just spoke about. We want to see glucose drop throughout that fast. We want to see ketones rise. That's the trend that we're looking for. If we see the opposite, there could be a few things. You could be stressed out. You could have had a poor night of sleep, and we want to probably shorten that fasting window and then retry. But there's no such thing. As a failed fast. Every fast has its benefit and Seam said it. You're not competing against anybody else's numbers and ketones. You're competing against yourself. My shirt says beat yesterday because that's what it's about. It's about beating yesterday, who you were yesterday. So I, I love the way you explained that. We're winding down here. Where is the best place to go check out your work? Where can my audience check you out?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, my website is uh, seamlon.com and I'm also seen Lund on all the social media platforms on YouTube and Instagram.
0: So we'll put those links down below of the YouTube video and in the podcast notes. I highly recommend you check out his YouTube channel. It's great and he's very consistent with it. Uh, final question is this. Out of all the tools out there in the what I call the health shed, so we have fasting, we have autophagy, we have uh, fasted workouts, we have uh, bodybuilding workouts. I mean, we have so many tools in that toolbox. Sleep. Which one is your favorite tool to utilize, and why?
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Well, I think that out of all the things that I do, the biggest impact on my overall like health has been just uh, the intermittent fasting, uh, because uh, it's like the most cost cost effective. Uh, tool or the the most cost-effective strategy is because it's free and it it has like so many it covers basically all the things or like a lot of the things that are related to longevity and health like it covers insulin resistance it covers uh, Alzheimer's it covers uh, cancers it covers some infections those things covers the immune system so uh, it covers inflammation and those things so it is like a very very powerful tool but at the same time yeah like i do have to be you, everyone has to be mindful of not overdoing it and especially yeah, not not grinding it through so, so you have to kind of embrace the other side of the coin as well which is which is the things that we talk about like mTOR and muscle growth and uh, building muscle and nutrition so yeah you can't fast for forever so you have to kind of learn how to use it the right way
0: well said. Yeah, I really enjoyed the conversation. I think the audience has a good understanding now of this delicate balance between mTOR and autophagy. Go show Seam some love on his channel. Let him know that you heard him here on the Keto Camp podcast. Also, go listen to his podcast. I was just interviewed on his show, which will be out soon. So you can go listen to that interview. It was a great discussion as well. I want to uh, acknowledge Seam, for um, coming on here from Estonia and also for, for just the work that you have been doing since 20. 20- 13, 2014, when you started to teach keto and fasting before it became uh, a trend out there. Your work has been very helpful with my work, and I get a lot of inspiration from you, and I share your videos a lot with my community, and I love your consistency. I love your knowledge, and I'm really looking forward to seeing where you are in five years from now, 20 years from now, to see the stages and the, and the community that you continue to build. So I appreciate you and the conversation we had today, and I want to thank you so much for your work.
1: Yeah, no problem. and Thanks for inviting me and it's great talking with you and yeah, let's keep making the world a better place.
0: I really hope you enjoyed that discussion with Seam Land. I know you geeked out. Hopefully you have a pen and paper or a piece of paper that's full of notes. If you want to watch the video interview with Seam, head over to my YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash ketocamp. That's posted on there. And text this episode to a friend. Text it to somebody doing keto or fasting and they're wondering what autophagy is, what mTOR is. Send it to them. It can make a big difference. And please leave the show a rating and review if you haven't done so already. Take a screenshot of this episode of the Keto Camp Podcast and post it on Instagram. Shoot me and Seem a tag. Our handles are at thebenazadi and at SeamLand. Go check out Seam's work. I was actually interviewed on his podcast. He interviewed me. That was also released today. So go check that out. Go check out his YouTube channel. Go check out his work. All can be found in the notes of this podcast. I want to thank you so much for listening to the entire episode of the Keto KetoCam podcast. You'll hear me on the next one.